I have only been backpacking, overnight backpacking, camping, carrying all your stuff with you one time, and I think it might only be one time for me. Let me tell you why. Uh, there was one summer I was spending out in Yellowstone, and there was this one hike, the hike to Electric Peak. All of my friends had said, this is the one you can't leave the park without doing. Whatever you do, you have to find a way to make it up Electric Peak. Well, halfway into the walk, the first night, I felt something wet on my back, realizing that my entire water supply was leaking out. I was so afraid that we wouldn't have enough to last. Luckily, I had other people with me to share, but we were rationing so intensely. Finally, I made it through, got to the end, barely, barely creeping out. And I saw one of my friends who had told me how great this hike would be, how much fun I would have, and they said, did you like it? And I, very exhaustedly, really needing some Powerade or a sandwich or something, said, I really like the idea of it. <laughs> I liked the idea of it, but I don't know if it's for me. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a German Lutheran pastor and theologian who spent time in a concentration camp for opposing the Nazis, spent a lot of his public ministry this way, but he was really concerned with this difference between the idea of God or a projection of God and who God might really be. He once said, whoever evades earth in order to find God finds only himself. Whoever evades earth in order to find God finds only himself. When he came to meet American theologians, that was one of his big critiques. He has scathing letters he wrote back home, almost laughable, the critiques. But the one thing that really bothered him was that he thought that he found people that he perceived to have already kind of figured it out. He met a lot of people who thought they had said everything that needed to be said about God, and now it was just time to do what needed to be done. But Bonhoeffer was someone who realized, who made his life about finding God in creation, in history, in the circumstances of his life. He knew throughout his entire life, no matter what happens, God is not done speaking. God delights in the world as it is. That's what Bonhoeffer teaches us. As it is becoming and as it will be, God delights in the goodness, the truth, the mercy, the forgiveness that is possible right now in the midst of such precarity. God does not delight in evil, in suffering, in pain, and yet God will redeem all of it transform our brokenness if we continue to live among it, if we continue to seek God here and now. He once wrote about the Greek word that some of you might know for church, ekklesia. Usually it's just translated church, the people, but the way he translated it, very literally, those who are called out, ekklesia, the church, those who are called out. 
meaning that the church is a people who belong wholly to the world, who are called out into the world to live in it as it is. Not the world as we might wish it were, not our relationships as we wish they could be, not the world when the mess is cleaned up, but you belong wholly to the world as it is now. And this belonging wholly to the world as it is is not being a victim to it, but struggling with the tensions and the unknowns, struggling in the hope that God really is building the kingdom, not of this world through redeeming this very world. The church is a people who are called out of our comfortability and into the world as it is knowing what it will become. Someone who also knows this tension really well, who struggled with this a lot, is the prophet Ezekiel, whom we heard from in the first reading today. Ezekiel is living a life questioning, what can I say about God when I thought everything had already been said? Every one of Ezekiel's prophecies relates to this issue, this issue of God's presence or absence needing God's presence with God's people. And it's not something that's found really far off. It's not exclusively for one person and not another. God's presence, he finds, is with God's people right in the midst of the ordinariness, in the midst of the mess of their lives. This matters, this is different, because remember, Ezekiel was a priest. He was a priest in the temple of Jerusalem, a part of this really elite class. But his life was dedicated to being the one who went into the Holy of Holies, the one who knew what was holy and ordinary. He was close to that, and that was his life. But when we get these prophecies, he's not close to the temple. He has lost all that. Ezekiel is probably writing from something like a refugee camp. He's away from everything he thought he knew. So the question, when he is displaced, and he knows there is likely no time in his life where he can go back to what was, where is God when I can't go back to the place I knew God was waiting for me? Who is God then? We are given today Ezekiel's poetry poetry about a mighty cedar that will become this primeval world tree set on the high mountain of God, nourishing all of life. Although it once was just a little sprig, a little tiny branch, God will take off a tender branch and plant it carefully. It will produce and bear fruit. It will become a noble cedar. Under it, Every kind of bird, every sort of winged creature will have space to live. And all the trees of the field shall know who the Lord is. So although Ezekiel's people are feeling small, displaced, lost in trying to find holiness, finding God, although they are wrestling with everything that's been taken from them, what they learn is that God takes something very common, small, 
ordinary, this little branch that no one thought was anything special and transforms it, makes that little branch a holy source of life. Ezekiel's vision in the midst of exile reminds the people that God still appears in and through the circumstances they would have never chosen. The summertime, now if you haven't felt the heat in the last few days, the summertime is when we often get the parables of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is like Sunday after Sunday, and it is like seeds, wheat, leaven, a pearl. The list goes on and on. But they're really earthly things. Notice that the kingdom of God is never described as something far off, something denying creation. The gift of the earth matters entirely. And so when Jesus begins telling the parable of the mustard seed, this famous parable that we heard again today, he's referencing Ezekiel here. Ezekiel who talked to people who were away from everything they thought they knew about God. Creation is the site, Jesus is telling us, on which God will continue to speak, continue to reveal, because God loves it, because God delights in it, and that's enough. This little seed, this little mustard seed, puts forth branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. God doesn't want to throw away the seed because it's small. God wants to redeem it still. If Christianity is about anything, it's about imagining how different the world could be while still remaining present in the world that God loves. Imagining how different the world could be while still remaining present in the world that God loves. We are not invited to love the idea of our neighbors, the idea of our family members, of our friends, not even of our enemies. The ideas are sometimes better, more palatable, but we are invited to love them in their actuality, even if that doesn't remove the conflicts, the awkwardness, the tensions we have between us. Christians are people who learn how to hold tensions because we have overheard the stories the prophets spoke into the ears of God's people in times where they thought they could not find God. And when we overhear these words of promise, this story that all of the trees of the field shall know that I am is the Lord who brings low and who makes high, who dries up and makes flourish, we claim it even if it is hard to feel. We claim it even if it's hard to imagine. We have to be willing to tell the truth about our struggles. This is something that Bonhoeffer knows, that Ezekiel knows, that Jesus knows. We have to be able to tell the truth about our struggles. And we have to remain present in the confidence that we are loved and whole here and now, 
that God wants to build a kingdom here and now and is doing it. This kind of delight, this kind of hope, that is what the church must have for every part of creation, every single part of the creation that God loves. So let's go back. Whoever evades earth in order to find God finds only himself, finds only a projection. But finding the real God is so much more exciting, dramatic. There is so much more that is real and to be known. There is so much mystery to unfold in our lives if we let it, if we believe that God has more to speak into each moment of our lives. The more time I spend with Ezekiel and the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I come to believe that. So I want to close with a prayer from Bonhoeffer. It's a, it's a great one. It's one really unusual to me, a prayer that I haven't prayed myself until I encountered this from him. Here it is. God, I do not just pray that you dwell in my soul, but I ask that you would create the kingdom in our midst. Create the kingdom in our midst. That is our prayer today. Amen.